Well, if you're a fan of the Emerging Cricket platform, my word, we've got plenty of content for you this week. On this episode, we wrap the T20 Women's World Cup Europe Qualify in depth and look to Zimbabwe, where Thailand have overcome the host 2-1 in their T20i series. Elsewhere on the channels this week, Nate Hayes caught up with Liam Plunkett to discuss his move to the States. You can see that on YouTube or listen in the usual spots. And we have a rather special chat with former Afghanistan Cricket Board CEO Shafiq Stanikzai to discuss the current situation of life and cricket in the country. Nick Skinner joins me for this one. Enjoy yet another EC Pod. Welcome in again to the Emerging Cricket Podcast online and on Sport FM in Perth. I'm Daniel Beswick. Tonight, joined by Nick Skinner in somewhat of a special, I think. We're almost splitting the Emerging Cricket Podcast up in two this week. Delighted to be joined once again, as always, by Copernicus Cricket on Twitter. Nick Skinner. Nick, how are you? I'm well, Bez. I'm well. Hopefully, I'll be continue to be well as I uh, get my vaccine in a, a week or two, having fought uh, a brave battle against the New South Wales government's bureaucratic website. Um, so finally, I'm allowed to, to have one. So that's nice. It has been an ordeal, uh, especially when the Prime Minister at the start of the year or started to roll it says, it's <laughs> oh, yes. not a race. And then about halfway through the year says, you know what, actually, you know what, it might be a race uh, because the, the old second or I think this might actually be the third wave comes through. Uh, hampering Australia's ability to to function in a normal way. Seems like there's eight separate countries within Australia, just with all the states and territories doing their own thing. But glad to be joined by you once again. Uh, well, a women's special of sorts tonight. We will be talking yes, about... Two, the... two white blokes talking about women, eh? Yes. Look, <laughs> ICC Women's T20 World Cup, Europe qualifier, as well as Thailand's tour to Zimbabwe, Thailand, winning that series, coming from behind in the T20s, two games to one. But we will start with the Women's T20 World Cup Europe qualifier. And it was a win for Scotland uh, in somewhat of a surprise. I think we knew of Scotland's potential, but I don't think between the two of us we would have thought that their quality would overrun Ireland so quickly, collectively. A huge result for them. Ireland, you would think, would probably reach the next stage anyway, given their... T20i ranking, their ICC T20i ranking, but Nick, to just open things up, this is a pretty historic win for Scotland, and the Bryces is once again really strong, but the team is starting to show up from a collective standpoint, deserving winners after that tense win against Ireland especially. Yeah, that was definitely the match of the tournament. I think most of the other games pretty much uh, went according to the script that you, you could see you know, ahead of time. But yeah, the, the two top teams, the two best teams, um, as we sort of thought before the tournament, they, they played that series a couple of months ago where Scotland, I think Scotland won one game out of the four. So, you know, I, I you would probably have pegged Ireland as the favourites, but, you know, Scotland Scotland played like they were the better team, you know, the especially in the field. Um, Catherine Bryce's captaincy was... I really was impressed with her captaincy all throughout the tournament, but, you know, especially in that game where she, um, you know, rotated her bowlers in a way that choked off the, the fielding, choked off the scoring, kept the um, kept the Irish quiet, and 
I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the pitch in a minute, but you know, they used the conditions very effectively um, and, and they were very positive and looking for wickets a lot of the time as well. So, I, I was impressed a lot by um, Captain Catherine Bryce. Um, and yeah, I mean, Ireland, where do they go from next? Uh, the, the top-ranked non-qualifier... From from the regional qualifiers goes through to the to the global qualifier, so you'd think they're probably sitting pretty in in that regard, but you never know. And you know you always want to be sort of taking things into your own hands as a team trying to qualify for tournaments. I think yeah, we talk about the Bryce sisters, and um, they certainly were the key for them with the bat. That will be the next step for Scotland. Looking ahead, you know, do they have more depth than just the Bryces? Um, Abtar Maxud obviously is coming through with the ball. Uh, we saw, you know, we saw Nickel, we saw Fraser as well taking wickets. So I think they're okay with the ball, but yeah, with the bat, that's that's they're looking a bit threadbare beyond the Bryces. Yeah, Becky Glenn had a cameo in uh, one of the innings late and showed a lot of ability with the bat. But I think it's probably fair to say that. They're probably a bat or two short still, and and if you take the Bryce sisters out, I'm not really sure what what's left. Lorna Jack showed glimpses as well, and you talked about Abtaha Maksud. She was almost too good in this series. The, the stats probably didn't suggest just how well she bowled in the tournament. If anything, she spun the ball too far on that Lamunga surface or the two Lamunga surfaces. Coming off the, the 100, both her and the Bryce sisters just looked a cut above. It was only the ball spinning too far on that surface that that meant that she beat the bat rather than found the edge of the bat normally and and with all the variations didn't quite manage to find or or pick up the wicket she would have liked. We'll talk about a couple of the other teams in a moment, but I think the pitch and the surfaces there probably a, a point to definitely bring up. On the streams now, we know that things are a little bit more visible a few more people making comments about the surfaces. Unfortunately, it's it's a situation that we've been aware of, of a, you know, of a few years. We know the situation in Lamunga too, where uh, curators and people who were working on the ground were furloughed over the course of the last year, which made things difficult. Looking at some of the high scores, Gabby Lewis scoring Ireland's first women's T20I 100, the Bryce sisters making runs, might not have been everything it seemed, but it did look like... It certainly hampered the quality, at least on the batting side overall in regards to the tournament. It definitely made things a little bit more bowler-friendly. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely slow. It was not great for batting on, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't dangerous. It just plays like a, a very tired wicket. Like, they sort of, yeah, and I mean, that's understandable with the, as you said, the groundsman being on furlough until, you know, a few weeks out from the tournament, I think. Honestly, they've done a pretty good job to get it into a usable condition after having basically just left the <laughs> left the pitch sitting there for almost a year. So, I think that kind of um, rhetoric about it was a bit overstated. I think, you know, ideally, they would have better pitches and, and that's something we see a lot in associate cricket is when teams come up to the better level, they sometimes play better because they don't, you know, having the the more true, more batting-friendly pitches or even, you know, the fast bowlers manage to extract a bit more out of better pitches rather than very slow, low tracks where the spinners just dominate. Going back to Ireland and looking at particularly the batting side of things, outside of Gabby Lewis's unbeaten 100, it did look as if they struggled a lot with the bat. Stokel would, would probably put her hand up as the next best bat in that Irish team. 
But looking down, you know, Delaney didn't have a fantastic tournament. And you have to think going into the next stage, assuming that Ireland do eventually get through with the rankings the way they are, they still seem to very much be struggling without Kim Garth, who is striving to reach a professional level in Australia and actually qualify as a domestic player so she doesn't have to play under that overseas banner. Do we know what the next answer here is for for Ireland? We know that uh, Mary Waldron came back as well on the keeping side of things, but for Ireland, there's definitely a couple of holes in that team that need to be addressed. This definitely rings alarm bells, doesn't it? Well, I mean, any time they're uh, losing to Scotland, they probably would be not too happy about it. Um, uh, you know, that game was, uh, was was very tense, as we said, and you could see the Irish were desperate not to lose. Yeah, even looking at Delaney, you know, rotating her bowlers in that game, she was sort of trying a bit too much. She, she <laughs> Nine bowlers uh, bowled at least one over, and all the Prendergast only got two overs in, and she was probably the best bowler in that, in that game against Scotland. So it seemed like she was a bit... Yeah, nervous of losing maybe or, you know, trying a bit too hard. Um, I don't know. Where next? Yeah, hopefully they can... Um, you know, Shauna Kavanagh's handy with the bat. I, I don't know if she... She probably improves this team. But, yeah, a, a lot of these... Um, a lot of these sides at this level, you know, they do have sort of a, a handful of world-class players and then the rest are, you know, struggling to, to stay up at the same level. And, you know, it's the same with Scotland. It's the same with... Uh, with Ireland, with the Netherlands batting, they have a couple of good bats, but but again, very thin. And even Germany had one or two players who could who could manage with. You know, so I think it's just a it's just a case of <laughs> trying to develop more players, which is something that will take time. And and Cricket Ireland needs to just keep um, keep trying to get as many girls as possible playing cricket, basically. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be remiss to not talk about Amy Richardson. She was the player of the tournament with her all-around effort, chipped in with the bat and then took seven wickets with the ball. You did briefly touch on the Netherlands and Germany. It's probably fair to kind of assess their tournaments now as well. Looking at the Netherlands, who are probably the the, the best of the rest outside of Scotland and Ireland, and the, and the table shows that as well, definitely missed Sarah Callis. There's no two ways about that. She celebrated a birthday while her teammates were playing in this tournament and that, you know, generally brings up a lot of questions when people ask, you know, where is Sarah Callis? Uh, It sounds as if she's not going to be available for the Netherlands going forward, which is a huge blow. Uh, We've seen how strong she's been in domestic cricket, but there was a couple of individual highlights. Frederick Overdyke uh, breaking a world record in terms of best bowling figures by a a male or female international player at T20 international level, taking seven for three against France. But definitely a, a couple of holes in that team as well. Eva Lynch was good with the ball too, but runs were definitely at a premium. Yeah, I mean they've got they had Robin Rabina Riker play. She was I think the top uh, run scorer for them. She looked solid, uh, not explosive in the same way as someone like Marinda Fringmeyer could be. But again, Fringmeyer just struggled to to hit it off the square. Uh, and again, the slow pitch probably didn't help. Uh, Babette Delater is is a quality bat, but yeah, without Callis, they if, <laughs> they they don't have a lot in that top order and. You, we saw that in the game against Ireland, where they were in a pretty good position chasing, um, where they were they were fifty five for two after thirteen overs, and yeah, Rabina Riker was there, and Marinda Ferringmail was at the crease. They looked like they could have you know made an attack on the the target being I think one hundred and twelve off twenty. So 
um, they um, they were they were decently positioned, but they they lost three wickets from people making rash shots. They're all hitting against the wind, and that was a, a big um, talking point as well on the commentary from our friend Peter Della Pena talking about you know trying to be clever about hitting in against you know, uh, with the wind or into the wind and they, three of them hit into the wind and they all hold out. And so that was the kind of thing where you, you, you just think, you know, they could have maybe pushed on, but they just don't have the experience at this level and they don't really know how to use the conditions. Whereas we saw, um, we, sh- we saw Catherine Bryce in, in the chase against Ireland using that breeze and, and hitting sixes down the ground on the overs where she was hitting with the wind rather than against it. So I think that's, um, another example of the the golf in not just not just raw talent but um, just experience and, and match awareness. You know, you, you, I saw them lose those three wickets and I just thought, come on, guys, you know, you, you you're better than this. You, you you just just think about what you're doing. But but Delater made a fifty against Ireland earlier in the year and unfortunately wasn't able to bring that form across at uh, the qualifier. Shane Deet's first major assignment as as Netherlands women's coach as well. Uh, definitely some things to, to take on board and, and to apply once they do reach that next tournament and that next level of international play. Looking at Germany, uh, I think for us, we were quite high on Germany coming into the tournament, thinking that they might make a few more claims. Had been fantastic at, at let's put it this way, the level below in terms of international women's T20 international cricket, unfortunately just couldn't quite convey that at the next level. Got a little bit found out by some better bowling and and some stronger hitting across the tournament in general. Christina Goff was good with the bat. I thought uh, Janet Ronalds was good as well. And then Anurata Dolabalapur, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, was 11th in both the runs and the wickets. So she was in and around the team, probably not contributing too much on either facet. But looking at Germany, this is definitely a, a case of learning lessons for, for coming back in the next cycle and, and working harder to to move themselves up that table of fraction. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a very disappointing tour for them, a bit frustrating because I, I think they can play better. Um, potentially... I mean, they've played a lot of games on AstroTurf, at, as, as you say, at lower level associate cricket um, in Europe for women. So, quite possibly that made a difference in that they, they struggled a bit with just adjusting yeah. to the turf conditions and, and especially not a very good turf pitch. It's a um, yeah, very big point, to be fair. It's a very underrated point. They, I mean, yeah, and I, I genuinely think they have improved over the last couple of years, but they, they just couldn't put it all together. As you said, Kristen, uh, Christina Goff... Um, looks looked quality, but um, I'm just I'm just parroting Peter Delapena here. But he he's making you know he made the point that um, it's hard for a, a batter to get going uh, you know to the full uh, potential when she's worried about what her colleagues are going to be doing and whether there's enough depth to keep going. And so I think we did see that with Goff that she was a bit in sort of two minds because you know she can she can be very attacking when she wants to, but she was batting well within herself and. Um, yeah, Dota Balapur, a bit disappointing, honestly. She she didn't bowl much and, and apparently uh, she was having trouble gripping the ball and, and she did struggle uh, when she did roll the arm over. So, I, yeah, I don't know what that was about. Uh, Maes Lok, Bianca Maes Lok, was, um, was quite good as well um, as, with the ball. But, yeah, 
they just need a bit more depth and, as we said, just a bit more experience, I think, at, at this level. And that experience leads into us talking about France, who joined this tournament as a relative newcomer, especially at this level. And yes, if you are to look at the scorecards and the the table, it doesn't look like a particularly fantastic tournament from France's perspective. But I think we can take a lot of learning experiences away if you are a France fan or you are a member of the, the French team. A couple of great moments as the tournament went on. It definitely seemed as if there was a good adaptation by a lot of the French players throughout the tournament. And Marie Violot taking the wicket of both Bryce sisters, that's something that she'll take home and she'll never forget. You know, for, for someone like Violot and for France, that's a moment that you just can't really qualify and quantify. It's one of those things that everyone can take great inspiration from. And Emmanuel uh, Brelivet talking to Peter de la Pena as well said a lot of great things about what it means for French cricket to simply be at this tournament. But again, Nick, it's all about that story and it's all about coming back next time, knowing what you have to do to reach that next level. Yeah, I think um, this was actually a great outing for France and um, the the fact that we saw them on uh, the ICC streaming service and and people around the world watching and you know commenting on on that interview with with um, Brelave and how uh, you know just how enthusiastic she was about cricket and and um, you know there's something about hearing someone with a French accent um, talking with such passion about the game it's it's sort of uh, it goes <laughs> we, against every single historical <laughs> idea of what France and being so anti-English is all about it's it's fantastic breaking barriers it is it is and and that's why i think there is great value in these lower ranked teams we saw a bit of chat about um you know oh it's you know losing every game isn't really helping them and yeah i mean there's something to that i suppose but you know the fact that they were here um and they can bring that back to um to france and they know what they need to be trying to achieve and and you know the level that they need to work towards and not just that but <laughs> the the fact that um, you know, I, I, Lenny, uh, Andrew Leonard was talking about how when he talked to um, Breleve about the, the game against the Netherlands and, you know, Overdyke taking a world record seven for three against them, she said, well, actually, you know, it's it's not that bad. It's it's putting, you know, people are now aware that France has a cricket team and we can, you know, we can talk to people about that and, and it's just raising awareness. So, I think um, Breleve and the French ladies are a, a great endorsement of the game, honestly, and we've we've had her on the podcast um about a year or two ago yeah yeah very Um, early one of our first guests i remember you interviewed yes yeah yeah. it's very powerful listening to an accent that you wouldn't associate cricket with similarly to peter della penna as well and even andrew leonard to a point an irishman and an american commentating cricket it's (laughs) while france are playing against germany i mean can it get any better than that from an emerging <laughs> cricket standpoint? It's just every single fantasy kind of thrown together. But you made a really good point there. And Statsgate and the idea of all of that kind of was thrown up. Not as bad as when Marley were bowled out for six last year or the year before. But there definitely were murmurs again of that. And I think this tournament, as you point out, illustrates just how important it is for international play like this to happen. I mean, cricket doesn't just suddenly pop up in India and 
India aren't heavyweights of the game as an overnight success. India's success comes from an introduction to the game, years and years and years of practice and development and everything that goes along with that. I can't remember how long it took India to win a test match after their first one. It's something like 25 years. But it's the same thing. We're only just seeing it in new modern eyes through a lot of these teams now. Everyone has to start somewhere. And talking about the stream as well, it was the first proper stream as part of the ICC TV pathway event and and the way that that's going to be streamed together. We know that Crick Clubs and IMG are dealing with that as well. Definitely a couple of teething issues. And the wind in Lamunga definitely seemed to... uh, make things incredibly difficult at times but it's a start and to show this qualifier to the world on the governing body's webpage and available you know on fan code in parts of the subcontinent is infinitely better than having nothing and once we do get a little bit more development there can only see that exposure leading to a rise of women's cricket in Europe and all the other regions that will be having these same tournaments as well. Yeah, and you, you talk about, um, you know, everyone has to start somewhere. We're, we're about to um, look at Thailand's series against Zimbabwe. And, you know, 15 years ago, Thailand didn't really have a women's team. And look at them now, qualifying for World Cups and beating full members. So, yeah, everyone has to start somewhere. And I, I think this is, um, this is very good for, for France and very good for cricket in general. And again, to, to use the parallel of Mali, like you have with, with Thailand, Bamako was introduced to cricket on the other, on this side of the turn of the millennium in, in 2000. So to have an international cricket team within 20 years competing like this is an incredible feat, irrespective of, of the score lines that do show. And, and that's why Thailand is so good and such an incredible story because they've come such a long way in such a short period of time. It's similar to... Afghanistan, and we'll talk to Shafiq Stanikzai uh, in regards to Afghanistan cricket. But let's look at Thailand's T20I series with Zimbabwe. We know they shared the 50-over series two games apiece, which is a pretty good achievement considering how little 50-over cricket Thailand play. They've come back from 1-0 down here in the T20I series to win 2-1. And a great team effort overall from Thailand. And that's probably something that moves them apart from the rest of their associate uh, counterparts, but to come out away from home to claim a series 2-1 after going down one down in the series, great at- adaptability to come back, assess the conditions from the first game at the Takashinga Cricket Club and win the next two games. It's a great story and only bodes well for their qualification aspirations in both the 50-over stuff and in the 2020 World Cup. Yeah, I mean that first game that they lost, that was <laughs> that was a hell of a match as well. They I was, you know, Zimbabwe got past the the target in the last over 9 wickets down after they they were cruising actually and then uh Thailand came back with um you know with uh, Butcherham took 3 for 18 and uh they Zimbabwe lost 6 for 8 in a couple of overs and just turned the match on its head. So that, it was just a great game to to be watching or trying to watch with the slightly dodgy stream coming through from from Zimbabwe um but yeah I, I was really impressed with as you said the way that they bounced back from that first loss and and they uh you know they didn't let it get to them and and you know they came back emphatically you know beat them by 50 odd runs in the second game and then um 27 runs comfortable clinical performance in, in the third so I think they're just getting better and better and 
we did say 2020 cricket's probably their best format. And the, the interesting thing was that they kept Zimbabwe to around that 100 mark, um, 107, 101, 107 in all three games. The only difference was in the first game, their batting didn't quite fire. So that, I guess, we, we are aware that fielding's probably their better suit. And uh, it was encouraging that a few different names were scoring runs. Obviously, Natakan Chantam, uh, we all know and love with um, from from the World Cup with with her uh, you know cover drive laced oh. fifty against Pakistan, but um, it's you know, she scored eighty eight. It's burnt yeah. in my brain that memory. <laughs> I hope I hope someone got um, got Ian Bishop a, a a painting of of her because he was saying that uh, it deserved to be a, a painting on a wall somewhere. But um, yeah, so she uh, yeah eighty eight not out in the second game. Um, she batted really well, and and she hit the only sixes of the whole series. Um, I think from either team, but certainly for Thailand, uh, with a you know an amazing shot. It was sort of inside out, off drive. She took a couple of steps down the pitch and just timed it over the rope. Um, so I think looking at that, that's kind of where if Thailand can go next in terms of their batting. I think is that they they're very good at um, rotating the strike and and keeping the scoreboard ticking along, which is helpful. Um, you know, throughout the a, a T20, you know, for structuring a T20 home, but they just need a bit more power and and a bit more hitting. She's clearly worked on her power hitting to be hitting a couple of a couple of big couple of big ones over the rope. So, you know, if a few more of them can just get you know a six or two, that just ups ups the run rate noticeably once that goes over the course of a whole inning. So I think that's that's the next way to go for their um, for their batting because. You know, we saw Butcher Tam score runs as well. We saw Contra Ronkai. We saw uh, Chinita Sudarang. We saw Naramol Chawai. So, you know, most of the top order have, have scored runs at various points in this series. So, I think they're in pretty good hands. Uh, three sixes in the series. Two to Chantum. Cam Chompu hit one as well. Just double-checking ah. and verifying our stats. Shout out, Andrew Nixon. Uh Butcher Tam. <laughs> Easily the best bowler of the series. Took 10 wickets. The next best uh, were a couple of players on five, Cam Chompu being another one of those. Read a stat from uh, Hypercost who I don't think sleeps and watches a lot of <laughs> women's and associate cricket. Which is even more if, cricket than we if do, you're I think. Not, if you're not follow, if you're an associate fan or a women's fan, you're honestly missing out. Natalia Buchatum has taken the most T20i wickets by a women's player over the age of 30, um, overtook Catherine Brunt during this series. Catherine Brunt still playing, uh, played against New Zealand uh, the other night as well in that series. Natalia Buchatam ahead in that stat, Catherine Brunt, and then Chimani Senevaratna, who's played for both Sri Lanka and UAE. So it highlighted something for me that I don't think, and I don't want to say Buchatam is a quiet achiever in this team, but I think it's a testament to how many quality individuals Thailand have. Because when you think of this Thailand team and when you think of associate international cricket in general, in times gone by, it's usually meant for a team to win a match in international cricket as an associate, say against a full member, it's usually thanks to one person or one key performance. But the beauty of Thailand's cricket is that, yes, Buchatam was outstanding here, but you look at the overall contributions and the match winners in this team... You can almost name two-thirds of the 11, and Bujatam doesn't exactly go hiding because, yeah, she's taken 10 wickets here, but it's not as if Thailand's game plan rides and dies with Bujatam. There are, you know, Satira Wang, who's worked on her batting as well as being a quality bowler. Nanapat, 
Natakan, a bunch of players, not to mention Chaiwa, who's taken the reins. And while she probably didn't make as many runs as she would have liked in the series, she did bat herself down a little bit. There's so much collective talent there. And you would like to think that the experience of that T20 World Cup will only bode well for their next attempt. And we know what happened at Olympic Park at the showground when they didn't get a chance to beat Pakistan. Because I think I think we can all safely say they would win that game. You know, Pakistan would have had to break their own successful chase record for them to achieve that. So I think overall, this is already a successful tour for uh, Thailand. And they're still yet to, to head into South Africa and play their cricket there, not only on the tour, but as part of that World Cup 2002 qualifier in South Africa, assuming everything goes ahead there. But, you know, it's starting... You, you can start to build a case for Thailand qualifying for that tournament, first of all, and being the best of the rest in, in associate circles. They've got more depth than Scotland. They look a little bit better on paper than Ireland at the moment. And they challenged Pakistan when they had the chance. You know, the possibilities here are almost endless for Thailand. Yeah, it's interesting the way you sort of phrased that in that... Yeah, looking at the the run charts for the series, they had a number of um, them contributing, and as we said, they've they've got a lot of people who can um, who can put their hand up, and that's sort of the opposite to a lot of associate teams. You know, even as we were saying, you know, the the Bryce sisters plus Abtar Maxwood for Scotland, who's who else is there? Whereas Thailand, everyone's almost on the same level, and they're all working together, and that's that's their great strength is their teamwork, and um, even. Um, looking back to that that um, Europe qualifier, there are a few moments where teams were not taking runs or not running as hard as they could be because, you know, quite possibly the the batters hadn't played a lot of cricket together. Whereas Thailand have, and they know each other's games really well, and they work at you know as a te- as a team and as a unit, and that's that's probably their great strength more so than uh, their talent necessarily. Although a lot of them are very good cricketers too. Um, just just looking, you know, we talk about the sort of um, the, the cast of you know the, the known faces as as it were but there's also a few younger girls coming through there's um you know Silicon Laomi I was very impressed with her leg spin um and there um and Purawong, she didn't take many wickets but I, I thought she was she was very effective and economical as well in the series and um I I think this series just shows how good Thailand has been because Zimbabwe they didn't play too badly their batting was a bit fragile but they had a number of good performers with the ball, you know, Lorene Tashuma, yep. Precious Marange, um, you know, girls like that. They they weren't they weren't playing badly at all, and and I, I don't think uh, Zimbabwe would be embarrassed in uh, the next global qualifier if, you know, <laughs> assuming they're not banned again. But um, so yeah, I think this is very good signs for Thailand. Yeah, I think that's a really important point you've brought up about Zimbabwe too, because I think it's this tour was more about. Thailand being fantastic than Zimbabwe losing at home and, and questions being asked of the team because I think Thailand were just simply too strong and there's definitely no real... I don't think there are too many holes in that Zimbabwean outfit either. I think it was just a, a pretty solid Thailand team performance. Finally, Nick, not the only international cricket that's been played out. It would be remiss of us not to mention Norway taking on Sweden only one official T20 international of the three matches. The first two matches were unofficial T20Is. Uh, and in the third one, we saw somewhat of a record. I think you've been flicking through the books. Aisha Hassan's 11 not out. 
Doesn't sound that impressive, does it? But it's actually, as far as I can tell, the uh, the first and only time a woman has carried her bat in T uh, T20 International. Um, that was the Norwegian opener as they were bowled out for 52 in that. Um, it was actually Norway and Sweden's first T20 International uh, for women. So that was good to see them uh, you know, get off the mark, as it were. It was, it was a pretty exciting game in the end. Um, Norway bowled out for 52. The Swedes got there in the in the 13th over but eight wickets down uh so you know pretty pretty tense stuff uh Ayesha's, um effort in vain unfortunately but um sweden won the other two unofficial games pretty comfortably i'm not sure why they weren't full status maybe ineligible players being picked or um i don't know didn't have the that right would, facilities yeah, that would but be my guess. what have Whatever the reason, um, yeah, pretty pretty good effort for the two boards to to get going up um, a bit bit north of Stockholm, sort of middle of the country in Kolsva, which is um, yeah good good to see, and hopefully we see more of these uh, coming through. And it looks as if both teams shared a training day with Johnsy Rhodes as well, which is an unbelievable thing mm. to experience, and I'm sure there would have been a lot taken out of that. As the European summer now draws to a close, we know domestic cricket around the, the continent is reaching uh, fever pitch now as well. So getting those fixtures in is fantastic and can only help with the development of everything. I think that's just about all the time that we've got for uh, with this one, Nick. It was good to sit down and, and sort of do a bit of a, a women's special with everything going on. And on the full member side of things, we're about to see Australia take on India and, and England are currently playing New Zealand. So there's a lot going on with... Uh, a 2022 World Cup around the corner and T20 World Cup qualifying happening as well. So plenty in the women's game and plenty in the women's emerging game as well. So make sure to jump onto EmergingCricket.com when you do get the chance and to follow us across the social medias. Uh, But for now, on behalf of Nick and myself, Daniel Beswick, enjoy the rest of your day wherever you are in the emerging cricket world. (laughs) 